In Jesus' name we have prayed. Lord, we give you praise. We thank you, our Father, for hearing us today. We thank you because you are here in the power of the Holy Spirit, says to do something new in us again. Lord, we open our hearts before you. Say, pour your substance, Lord, into our hearts in the name of Jesus. Let this word come in for this evening. Bring the substance of God into our hearts in the name of Jesus Christ. Give us direction. Give us understanding. Let's see your glory in every aspect of our lives. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Now, because we believe these words, we declare as follows. Let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. That will be your portion today in the name of Jesus Christ. The, the, the word will enter your heart. Amen. It will give you light. Amen. It will give you direction. Amen. It will heal you in every area. And it will make you more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus we are praying. Give me a loud amen. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's take our seats as you are sitting there. Greet somebody. I think it's nice. I think it opens the heart of people. Greet somebody on your left and your right. The Lord is good. Let me just remind us again that prayer is the power is a method by which God has given us to release his power into the environment. And there is nothing that prayer will not do if it is done, that is, the prayers are said effectively. I still believe very strongly that the major reason why Jesus left Lazarus for four days before raising him up from the dead was to let us know that literally with God nothing shall be impossible. Do you understand my point? That is, Lazarus being raised up from the dead, it was one of the most difficult things that ever happened in the scriptures. And Jesus did that, and he did that as a human being, that is, to let us know. The Bible says that he did everything he did so that he can bring many sons to glory. So he wants us to know that the power of God is available every time. And raising Lazarus up is possible. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. Lazarus can rise up. Do you understand my point? I, I need to just say this. The battle in life all the time is to remove the eyes of the people of God from the Lord and put their eyes on the things around. You know, many times I speak, it's as if I'm, I hope people can get a good balance in the things I say. It will be as if I'm fighting the doctors but it's good, you know why? Nobody can say that because they know I'm naturally trained in that area. Why that's really my example is because that's one, people love to be healthy. People love life. And that's one area where every time you bring a, you pick a newspaper, I remember once I was in Lagos. So there's this particular uh, woman, you know, uh, OAP, 
an on-air personality, TV presenter. So she comes, she used to come, you know, at the morning program when we were in Lagos those days. Every morning you had to watch her on TV. And then one day, I don't know why, she imported this interesting human being, let me not say more than that, who will sit beside her throughout, say next to nothing, apart from, apart from passing comments on the food that we ate. And he had one little policy that some foods are acidic, some are basic. That reason. So he'll be talking after while, this woman will turn to her, to him, ask him a question, say, yes, the problem with that man is that he's having palpitations because he's eating food that's acidic. What he needs to do is to, I know, as a medically trained person, I used to look at him like, this guy all right. <laughs> now, why am I bringing that, that one up? People watch him every day and they start, they start watching their food. What they don't realize is that he has taken their eyes away from God. It's one of the instruments, I'm sorry to say it like that, it's one of the instruments of Satan. Just sit down there and be redirecting people's eyes from God. That's just an example. When you buy your newspapers, I think I can say nine out of ten of the things that they write is engineered satanically. Like my English? It's satanically engineered to remove your eyes from the Lord. I'm convinced about that. When they analyze the economy, they say things that are... No, they don't know they are doing. Some of them don't know what they are doing. Those things are designed to remove your eyes from the Lord. And you don't even notice that most of the times they are wrong. I have an article which is still on my computer. I can easily find it. In which, in fact, I, I think I captioned it, I, I, I had to store it, so I, I put on it, chief financial officers know nothing. CFOs of companies, that they don't know anything. Now they didn't write it, I found it either in Newsweek or Time magazine, one of these international magazines. And somebody wrote an article showing that big companies like Google, you know, Facebook, ExxonMobil, Microsoft, Amazon, you know, Big uh, banks, you know, all these, uh, maybe big banks like, um, give me one, okay, let's, okay, let, let's use Nigeria now. First bank, you know, Access Bank, that is very mighty now. <laughs> and that's the biggest bank in Nigeria now, isn't it? Yes. Anyway, these are, these are huge banks. Anyway, companies, big banks, big companies all over the world. Once they analyzed the projections and the predictions of the chief financial officers of all these companies, I guess what they found out? They found out that the analysis, they said this is how the economy will perform over the next five years. They did, they did analysis and found out they were wrong on the average 51 to 52 percent of the times, which means a toss of a coin will have been more accurate. That if you had done tumbon tumbon, you know they call tumbon tumbon, that if you had just guessed, you had a slightly better chance of being more accurate than people who were paid, no, not paid, trained, number one, hired and paid to analyze the financial markets and the performance of the economy and predict for people. This was, analysis was done and found that they were, most of the times they were wrong. If they said the dollar will go like this, the dollar most of the time goes the other direction. If they tell you there will be, that Brexit will not happen, Brexit will happen. I don't get my point. Um, um, the Britons are going to the polls to go and decide whether they will stay in the European Union or they will not stay in the European Union or they will leave. And most of them predicted that they will stay. And the votes came in 
and they voted to leave. Now the same people, you know the interesting part, they've not left the job, they're still doing the job. They are not saying that now we have discovered that we're usually wrong. And people will still build their lives on what they are saying. They still write predictions every day for what will happen to third world economies, first world economies. They write it every day. But the records show that they are wrong more than 50% of the times. Which means that you do better not to listen to them at all. Yet, when people want to discuss, what do they do? They take the analysis of ignorant people and use those analyses to make predictions about their environment and about their own lives. For people of God, that is the reason why the power of God is not available. The stories written in the Bible, believe me, they are real stories. I want to tell you, Jacob was 140 years old. It was not, it's not a lie. Are you getting my point? Yes, it was not a lie. It really happened. Recently, medical science published, you know, they have found out why we cannot live beyond a particular age. I said, well, it's not true. The Bible says we can live beyond that age. And please never forget this. Anything you see physically was caused by things that are not physical. So people start averaging 70 years of age instead of averaging 150. There is a spiritual reason. Now let me say this again so that you just remember. What I'm going to do is to emphasize towards that spiritual things are real and we have the, we have the, the responsibility to bring the reality of the spiritual, the power of God into our experiences. And that what Satan does every day is to make sure we can't. And how does he do it? By removing our eyes, making us literally carnal. That's what he does. Literally, we become carnal. We are fleshly. We make predictions based on what we can see. And that way, the power of God is, you know, is short-circuited. doesn't flow into our lives. So when people of God fail, I said last time, God said those explanations they give, they are never the reasons why they happened. The reasons are always spiritual. Paul went to battle and there he died. And what did the Bible say? He died for the trespass that he committed against the Lord. And the Bible said, therefore, God killed him. The Bible never said that it was a tactical error. I'm reminding us again, spiritual things are real. No matter how much you can explain the physical, the spiritual explains that explanation. I don't know what I get my point. Let me give an illustration. Sometimes, you know, I, I've read this before. People are, people are teaching us that there's no God and all of that. Atheists, they explain that, you see, before people understood this and that, they blamed everything on God. That now we now understand those things. Understand has come to us, so there's no need to believe in God anymore. Are you getting my point? So you can say like this, what they do. I take a gun. I can, who, who can I shoot here? Okay, let me shoot you. I, anyway, I take a gun. I point at you, I shoot you. Now, this is what they do. Before, when men had understanding, they would say, Banky shot him, right? Then, along the line, somebody discovered archaeological diggings now. He discovered the gun with which I shot. And discovered that he had a, he had a barrel. And he discovered that he had a bullet. And that um, bullet was inside a cartridge. And inside that cartridge... Behind the bullet was packed gunpowder. 
and then on top of the gunpowder was a metal detonator and that thing is struck by the hammer of the gun and then the metal detonator, the gunpowder explodes inside the you know a narrow passage of the barrel therefore pushing all the explosive force behind the bullet which has been shaped in a manner to trap all the power and therefore it it, it you know it propelled down the barrel and created a narrow you know path and then hit the man shockwaves tore all his tissues ruptured some interesting vessels and he died and then as a conclusion there's no banky I don't know whether you are getting my point. What's the conclusion? Banky didn't kill him. A gun killed him. A bullet killed him. Oh, before people knew, they thought Banky killed him because it happened 2,000 years ago. Do you understand my point? So now see the record that says Banky shot a man is false. Well, how did the man die? It was a gun. A bullet. In a cartridge. Powered by gunpowder. The hammer of the gun hit the, the cartridge, the gunpowder exploded, and then the bullet hit the man, and he died. So they wake him up and say, sorry, Banky didn't kill you, a gun killed you. Now, what I'm saying, is it, are you following it? Now, you know what some of you are, what are you talking about? Because what I'm saying is ridiculous. Doesn't make any sense. How can you say Banky didn't shoot him, just because it was a gun? You know why? You have understanding. You know that guns don't shoot themselves. They don't fire themselves, I wanted to say. Yes, the, everything you said is right. But there's one point you missed. Why did the hammer strike the, the, the cartridge? Why was the barrel pointing in that direction? Important issues. So, because you have understanding, you say, oh, what happened? Banky picked the gun, aimed it in his direction, Pull the trigger. Triggers don't pull themselves. Big bangs don't happen for nothing. Are you getting my point? The fact that you have seen the way by which it happened has not removed one bit of the influence of the spiritual. I don't know whether you are getting my point. It has not removed one bit the influence of the spiritual. The fact that you can explain it. For example, another example. What happened in Sodom and Gomorrah? All of us believe you, me, Christians, we believe that God came down from heaven, judged Sodom and Gomorrah, and what happened? Fire rained from heaven and buried the whole place. Okay. Do you know the truth? The site of Sodom and Gomorrah is known. Our people know. They know where it is. Did fire really fall? Yes. It's been proven that it happened. But this is how people interpret it now. That place, last time I read about it, says the most barren spot on the earth. Till today. As at now. And the whole earth, where Sodom and Gomorrah used to be, nobody lives there till today. And it's the most barren spot on the earth. Why? It's pure sulfur. Now, this is what I'm making. So why did it happen? This is the story of what happened. A volcano erupted some distance away from the area, shot with tremendous force into the air, and then rained down its fire and burning sulfur on the place. So for the inhabitants, it's as if it was falling from heaven. Now, those who don't believe in God will now tell you that 
Oh, they said it was God that rained fire. It wasn't God that rained fire. It was Mount Vesuvius that erupted. And when it erupted, it buried Sodom and Gomorrah. There is no God. It's just an accident that happened. It's just like that story of the gun. But you that know, you understand? You understand that volcanoes don't erupt for nothing. The fact that you have seen them erupt properly, follow a particular pattern, and wipe out a whole people that God determined to wipe out does not remove the fact that somebody pulled the trigger. So what we see physically on the earth are the guns that have been designed. And when God wants to do something, he pulls his trigger. And people will say, there is no God. Why? We saw the gun go off. Bank didn't shoot that man. Why? There is no, there's a gun. You only believe in banking when you have not seen a gun. How can a man kill somebody? He can't kill somebody. It's guns that kill people. But we know that's not true. Somebody took the gun, aimed it, fired it. The mechanism had been arranged for such a purpose. So that's one that erupted in, Vol- in um, Sodom and Gomorrah. The angels moved it there. <laughs> it's called cannon. Are you getting my point? If you know the history of warfare, that's how they arranged the cannon. It's called artillery. So they fired the artillery. The fact that you saw it like that does not mean it was not the angels. They were the ones that detonated the artillery that they had prepared in heaven, arranged it where it was supposed to be, and at the right time they fired. What am I going to emphasize? Spiritual things are real, and they control what is physical. The fact that somebody has an explanation has not removed the power of the spiritual. Are you getting my point? The fact that you have a physical explanation has not removed the power of the spiritual. I was watching one woman the other day on TV. She was depressed. This was, on, I think, um, at that turning point, 700 Club, one of those things, all right? So they compared a lot of testimonies, all right? I watched it for some time. It was quite interesting. Different ones, different testimonies. And this woman, you know what happened to her? She was depressed and all of that. She was just unhappy with life. So she took a gun, pointed at herself in the chest, and fired. And you know what happened? She died. She bled seriously and then she died. Now, because before I watched that, I already understood how these things work. So in her situation, now she was narrating the story, so she lived. Are you getting my point? So when she, she felt herself leave her body, she felt herself go into torment and she saw people in torment and she began to cry to God for mercy and she begged God, have mercy on me. If you give me another chance, I will not live without you again. She made all the dedication anyway. Next thing that, she found herself returning into her body. And then the paramedics, are, now this is where I'm going, the paramedics arrived, took her to hospital and found out that the bullet narrowly missed a portion of the heart and it just missed one blood vessel as I laughing. I don't know whether you're getting my point. When God said, no problem, go back, I give you another chance. The whole events were rearranged that that bullet passed between the heart and one major vessel and just went this way. She bled inside, but then they drained the blood that, you know, that was in her lungs and then she survived and she was there today to tell the story. So those who don't believe in God, when I give that testimony, they say it's not, it's just a game of chance. The bullet just happened to have missed the altar. If that bullet had just moved to the right by three millimeters, she'll be dead. But we understand that it actually hit the altar. It punctured it. When God said, all right, another chance for her, the whole thing reversed. The angel seized up the thing, redirected the bullet, 
And then she survived. It's not a game of chance. There's a story I've told many times about one brother who told me his testimony in this town. The time she felt she was going to die, the spirit of death was following him around. Then he gave his life to Christ and that spirit left him. But the event has been set in motion. It's, when I heard the story, I said, this is exactly what happened to Esther and Israel. Events for the annihilation, the annihilation of Israel has been set in motion. It could not be turned around. So God wrote, so the king wrote another decree that they should defend themselves. So for this guy's case, God wrote another decree and told an angel, make sure he does not die. The season he thought he would die, a drug, no, how do you, when the man drinks, he's drunk, right? When the man, a high, one guy who was high on drugs, an arm robber, took a gun close quarters and fired at him, wanted to take his car. Right in the Nugu here. He said, but just before that time, his friend had said something about the ventilation in the car. So he had decided to wind the glass up or down something. Just move the glass a bit. And what happened? The mechanism that lifts the glass up and down trapped the bullet. The bullet was found inside the body of the car, trapped by the metal bar that normally will carry the glass up and down. He just adjusted it like a minute before that guy fired. And an eyewitness testified that he was killed. <laughs> Except that he got to the police station. The eyewitness was there writing a statement that I saw them kill the owner of the other car. I said, which car is that? Oh, that car. Oh, it's my car. I said, no, it's not your car. The owner was killed. It's not you. Leave it. <laughs> then when he said that, I laughed again. I said, oh, I, I was just understanding it. That that's the thing that had been planted to witness it. He witnessed what was supposed to happen. But the one that really happened was the one that God had decreed as mercy in his life. So the fact that we see an explanation does not mean something is not of God. So why did I say all of that? I said all of that to point out something to us that, listen, spiritual things are very real. Let's not forget these things. Even when it's election time, the angels have arranged who will vote or who will not vote. Some people said that I will not vote, I will not vote. And the angel said, no, we know you won't vote. Thank you. <laughs> we like it. We've counted your vote. We not count. Some people that say, we must vote by force. God said, this guy votes. He and his friends. It won't be good. So the money of the voting to rain. And the flood will be so much they can't come out. You can't blame my neck for that. They will not reschedule election just because it rained in your neighborhood. Then when you find out the police station was dry, who will believe you that dry? <laughs> So mangers have made up their minds that you are not voting. Pat Robertson's father told the story a number of times. That's what happened to him. He had been a senator for a very long time. So the word of the Lord came that he's leaving the office. Nobody believed it. Don't worry. The day of election, all his supporters said, this man has won for 20 years. So he will win again. So they stayed at home. Why? The snowfall was heavy that day. Why risk it when the man is going to win? But his opponent, his supporters wanted the opponent to win. So, the snow, no snow, they went out to vote. To everybody's surprise, the man won. For only one reason, his, all his own supporters stayed at home. Because one angel <laughs> blew a cold spell. Everywhere was cold. So they felt it was cozier in their homes. So they left the enemies, in quote, <laughs> to go and vote. And that was how God determined that election. People of God, spiritual things are real. If we don't experience them as Christians, like last time I analyzed it on Saturday, I said, listen, Peter sank, but the explanation as far as the Lord was concerned 
in the life of Peter was not the waves. The explanation was not the wind. The explanation was Peter doubted. Jesus was not saying the waves were not real. The Lord Jesus was not saying that the wind did not blow. The Lord Jesus did not say it's natural for human beings to float. He wasn't saying that. If a duck, you know, a duck, a swan, sank, the story would be different. Are you getting my point? <laughs> because it is natural for it to float. But in Peter's case, the Lord Jesus didn't come and say, you see, human beings are not supposed to sink. That's why Peter sank. No. He said simply, why did you sink? He said it's because you doubted. O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? So, if the, if the economy becomes very bad, a home on salary is like that of Venezuela. You know what's going on in Venezuela? The highest inflation on record. You know that? That's what's going on in Venezuela. The, you know, inflation in Nigeria is what? Last year was maybe like 12%. Was it 9? 11? Uh-huh. So I'm not too off. Some countries with like 2%, very stable economy, 3%, 9, you know, 7%. Venezuela is like 1.5 million percent. <laughs> yeah, is that bad? So it makes sense that the economy is bad. Even if you're a Christian there, you say you suffer. That's what we we'll think. But if a Christian is there suffering, and you come to the Lord Jesus, why are we sinking in hunger? Why are we sinking in lack of productivity? Why are we sinking in no power? Why are we sinking? You look at all the Christians as a church, Says because of your unbelief. Say, but we are not the core government. It's because of your doubt. And what the minister thought? Why did you doubt? He will lay all the blame at your feet. In the case of Peter, he did not for one moment lay the blame at the feet of the waves. Say, Peter, don't mind the wave. Now, so they do. Anytime God wants to do something in your life, wave will blow. This wave is an enemy. Next school of prayer, we are going to pray against the wave. Every wave, blowing, in Enugu, in Nigeria, die, by fire, by force. Do you know why we pray those prayers? We think the wave is a problem. You forget that the Jesus that was rescued somebody was on top of the same wave. I hope you are getting my point. So you get to Venezuela, listen, people think, when you talk sometimes there, people, if you don't understand how to connect the two, they think you are denying the reality of the physical. You're not denying it. For example, if I get to my house and my room is flooded because it rained and it was a bit windy, so it was blowing water into the room. Will I blame the rain? Think about it for a moment. No. What was the first thing I would say? Who left the windows open? That's all I'm going to say. It won't cross my mind to say, this rain, this rain, wicked rain. Don't you know I have rug in my floor, my floor? How am I supposed to remove this one now? If we don't dry it, it starts smelling. To not rain again hereafter. <laughs> Nobody does that. Just get to say, where were you people? Didn't you know it was raining? Why didn't you shut the, you know, the windows? That's all that comes to your mind. It never crosses your mind to blame the rain. So when Peter had his problem, it didn't cross the mind of the Lord Jesus. Say, it's raining. Uh-huh. Is that the first time you are seeing wind? 
If you are seeing waves, so you think the whole of life will come down for you to prosper. Oh, you are waiting for everybody to agree that it is time for you to prosper. Say, oh boy, oh girl, you will realize that nobody, that is natural things, are not going to make up their minds that they must cooperate with you before you prosper in life. So in Venezuela, as bad as the economy is, the Lord Jesus will not lay the blame of anyone sinking economically if he's a believer at the feet of Maduro. What's it? Nicolai Maduro? Is it Nicolas? Uh-huh. No, we won't blame him. And he won't blame his dead ancestor, Hugo Chavez. He won't blame any one of them. Just be watching the church. Why are we suffering? Unbelief. So when it's time to pray, if the church there will pray, if they are going to pray the way a lot of us confused will pray, all be praying. Father, the time to remove Maduro has come. Because who said so? Where did you read it? Because what do you want? You want prosperity? Forget Maduro is not your problem. Unbelief is your problem. Doubt is your problem. Let me say something briefly. Unbelief and doubt do not mean that um, we're not sure of what we wanted. And what I mean by like, how much do you want? You want a million dollars? Let's close our eyes. Million dollar. Don't change your mind. No, that's not what unbelief is. If you not change your mind about a million dollars, that's not what unbelief is. Alone. It can be part of it. Unbelief for a Christian is a whole lifestyle. It's how you are making your choice every day. It's not, the time, it's not only the time you are praying. Don't forget something. Christians, I need to just drop this. I've, and I will say once in a while, we just need to keep saying this so that people can walk by them. As Christians, we have, now, as citizens, okay? That is not Christians, now just Nigerian citizens, Ghanaian citizens, Tanzanian citizens, American citizens, Venezuelan citizens, no matter where you are from, you have some duties, right? For example, you pay your tax. You vote. You obey the law. When you are driving, watch out for traffic rules and stuff like that. You do those things as citizens. True or false? There's one thing that only Christians can do. And that is contributing faith. As everybody is contributing tax, you know what we also do? We go to the faith treasury of the country and we contribute faith into the country. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, we do. It's a tangible spiritual substance. So that's the reason why sometimes if the economy outside is so bad that it's affecting us, our judgment of why did you doubt, why, when God says to us, unbelief, many times it's not limited to just what we want at that moment. He's asking, what have you contributed? What have you contributed? I saw you yesterday where you were watching matches, you and your friends. You watched like three matches and in between, anytime there's a break, you turn around on the government. And when the football was given to you to reduce the amount of venom because you were so busy complaining about the footballers, you didn't remember your country. So in those three matches you watched, but at least I kept you quiet for some time. But in between, what are you doing? This country is finished. I'm just here because I don't know what else to do. The moment God opens the door for me, I'm gone. Christians have a duty to contribute what? Faith. You, mu- you must contribute faith. And one manifestation of faith is hope. Hope is not a wish, it's expectation. What are you expecting? And that is why, if you hear me talk about Nigeria, you think I've seen one clear vision of what tomorrow 
it will be like physically. I know the truth. I can't. I'm not joking about this. I'm not trying to sound nice because I'm preaching. What I'm telling is a matter of fact. I can't think otherwise. If you tell me, like um, many of us, like Pastor was telling us the other day, we're chatting, all right? Because he lives in Sokoto and always has to cross Zamfar when he's going from Abuja to Sokoto. So whether he's crossing it by road or crossing it in the air, he has to cross it. Do you understand? So he knows what's going on in Zamfar. So just release a prayer point that, listen, things there are bad. You talk about kidnapping and killing that people down south, you have not seen anything. That people are being wiped out every day. That the road is dangerous. That will somebody have, that the only way to get there safely, naturally speaking, is to fly. Because you're on the road. But it's what I'm making. When he said it, of course, he released prayer points. So we got to pray. And now, this is where I'm going. Deep in my heart, some other people say, that's where with this country. The country is finished. They are just killing people anyhow. This country is finished. Just by the way, with all this one we are saying, Americans kill more Americans every year. I hope you know that. Oh, I hope you are aware of it. One woman released the statistics. In a year, about 20,000 Americans are killed by other Americans with their guns. Every year. <laughs> so she pointed out something that, but nobody talks about it. When it happens in Nigeria, say, ah, this country is finished. All of us are soon going to die. He said, hey, 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 hey. More Americans get killed every year by gunshots fired by their neighbors or a stranger or somebody they don't know. That does not include those who shoot it at themselves. Oh, no, 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 no. That one will double the number. Now, let me say something here. Is that happening? In America, it's not happening. It's happening. But you know, Nigerians, will still, they still want to go there. They still want to go there. It doesn't cross their mind. But if they hear it's happening in Zamfara, it's happening in Eboy, next door, ah, we are leaving this country. More people die from gunshots every year in the United States than die in Nigeria with all the Boko Haram, kidnapping, armed robbery, all of it put together. We kill fewer people. Far fewer. I'm not saying one life is not worth anything. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not just talking about hope. I'm talking about what? Hope. Someone will hear such things. People like me. Okay. We've heard it now. We start praying. But in my mind, it's coming to an end. I don't know what I get my point. It is coming to an end. It will stop. This thing will cease. One way or the other, we'll ask God for, we'll beg God for mercy. We'll tell him to remove evil doers. We'll pray all manner of prayers. But deep inside me, I say, it go better. That it go better, eh? It's a scriptural phrase. I think we start greeting each other like that. Anyway, I've been doing it for a long time. I don't want to pigeonize it. How are you? It is well. It is well with you. It shall be well. You, do you understand my point? Yeah, we need it. The environment needs it. We, contri- uh, we contribute it. Without it, that's where the problem is. So when God comes to Venezuela and goes to the church, why is everybody singing economically? You know what he says? Is there what? Unbelief. He will never discuss Maduro. Never. God doesn't do that. With the church? It's only that you people pray for him. If they say yes, then why are you complaining about him? If they say, if they say no, then that is the problem. 
That's how God reasons so. They were having problems in this country. Say, so what is the problem? He's our head of state. Are you praying for him? Yes. Am I answering the prayer? Yes. So why are you complaining? He said, I'm not, we are not praying for him. So that's the problem. So whichever way, you turn to him and say, where is God, my maker? Don't talk about who's Maduro, who's Buhari. Please, I hope you are following my point here. Now, back to where I began from. So this is what I'm going to make. So the power of God is real. It solves economic problems. It solves problems in the environment. It keeps the pitas of life floating. Even if the wind is against him. Even though the waves are threatening to drown him. If he walks by faith, if he walks by the precepts of the Almighty, he will find himself floating. The wave may not stop, but he will float. Please, go and read my article. It's, it's one of the ones that we have inside that book, that, uh, um, the one we titled um, Living by Divine Wisdom. Yes. Living by Divine Wisdom. Please read the book when it comes out. There's a particular chapter that is online. That particular sermon is online, titled uh, Keep Trucking, or Keep on Trucking, something like that. Please go and read it. It's, you see the story I told inside there. Keep on trucking. I try to explain that look, no matter what it is, just keep going. Don't stop. Don't focus on the bad road. Go where you are going. I've traveled between here. You know, when I first came to Enugu, Enugu to Onitsha, Toge to Toge was 45 minutes. I said, remember once, I was in a convoy. Well, not really a convoy, you understand, but a number of cars. The way we were following each other on the road. It was beautiful driving the, that day. They're speeding very nicely, no problem, nobody's stopping you. Then the roads, I don't even know when the roads spot. You know, there are things that just come upon you, you don't even know when they happen. Then the point in time the journey became two hours. What we used to do in 45 minutes became two hours. Then we abandoned the road entirely. Then thank God for our governor fixed the old road. Then the journey became one and a half hours. But you know what? I never stopped going. <laughs> That's where I'm going. Everywhere I had to go, I had to go. I still went. I didn't change my mind simply because, you see, the road is now bad. You know we don't do that. What do we do? We keep on going. Sometimes we'll, we'll turn around, bypass. Ah, how many of you have used all those kind of, you know, corner, corner to, you know, that, you know, that terrible segment that once it starts raining, you need intercessors to pass that place. You know the segment I'm talking about? Normally when the road is good, you drive over that segment in like three minutes. But when things are bad, it takes like 30 minutes. All the hindrances. You know what happened? We still kept going. We kept on going. Then the road will dry, will return. And it has never happened that we refused to go. The story I like to tell is, <laughs> closer to a go once, I had two I thought it was a car backfiring. Until I saw it was a man carrying a gun. And those two two tours I had was actually aimed at our vehicle. <laughs> Yinka and I were going to preach. Of course, we ran into some that's what happened. We had run into criminals. So we turned, of course, we managed, they tried to attack our vehicle. I said, Yinka, if you stop in my mind, beg somebody, I like, shoot me in the back. It's better for me, but I am not stopping. Yinka was the one driving. I said, Yinka, if you stop. So he had to drive by force and then we managed to escape. We turned back. I like that day, you know, we went and waited the ninth mile. After they said the road was clear, we still went. 
<laughs> well, I had to go because I was going to preach somewhere. Some people were waiting for me, so I had to go. And they were waiting. They really were waiting. We were late by over an hour, but they were waiting. And I took the mic and I blessed them for almost two hours. And another day we entered our vehicle and came back to Enugu. Bad road, rainy road, dry road, dusty road. We keep going. That's just the way life is. That's what I mean by <laughs> the waves may not stop, but you won't sink. Just refuse to, you know, do your thing like this. I'm not sinking. <clears throat> and they push you down. <clears throat> you come up again. Made a rubber ball. I'm not going down. You know what happened? The way God has designed it. Eventually, you win. You know, this one I went to Lagos. The man that was our host, he said, ah, man of God. I heard you said that no giant ever killed any Israelite. He said, when you first said that, he didn't believe you. I went to, I took my Bible and I checked, I checked. And guess what? You are correct. He said, so I made up my mind. No challenge will ever overcome me again. That's what he said. He said, I said, eh? From now on, not, no matter how bad, I must win. Because giants are not allowed to kill the people of the covenant. That's where life is. The power of the spirit is real. And you know the truth? Satan knows it. Can I just say that again? He knows. Satan knows it. So the only thing he can do is distract us. He knows the only way we go down is what? Unbelief. Unbelief has many definitions. Distraction is unbelief. If you go and look at um, Peter's case, he turned to look at the wave. He got up every morning, was checking as the dollar was climbing. <laughs> he wake up every morning, say, we are going down. Why are we going down? This company is going to fold up. Why? And we opened this company. Dollar was 105 naira. As at now, the dollar is 306. And I heard World Bank say, or IMF, that Naira is still overvalued. At this 360, I hope you know they are still complaining. That the value is so strong that Naira should be like 500 Naira. We are going to die. No, there's no how. There is no way we can survive. Think about it. Raw materials, they come from, um, give me one country that's outside Nigeria. They come from China. We buy some of them from Belgium. And they are priced in foreign currency. We are going down. Down we shall go. These are giants in the land. And we are like grasshoppers in front of this currency exchange. So we are going to go down. We will not be able to pay the bank. Or the banks. We are only like four. We will not be able to pay them. They are going to foreclose on us. And then we are going to lose this land. They will sell. We will just be prophesying. These are prophetic words. And then after eight months to one year. It happens exactly as we said. I know we we'll turn around and say what? I said it. And the giants say, yes, you said it. As you said in his hearing, so he did to you. But you know, the things are so reasonable. They're so reasonable. We find, unless we come for the instruction of the word, you will never guess that's what happened. In case you are thinking, ah, what would somebody like that do in that kind of situation? Should I give you the answer? Physically, the physical answer? I don't know too. But I'll give you the spiritual answer. What will he do? Nothing. Just give the Lord thanks. And I keep on saying, he has hidden wisdom for the upright. Listen to me. In the midst of every adversity, 
there is something that God wants to do to bless you. You know, if your cost of foreign of raw materials increase from a million dollars every six months, no, okay, let's you buy a million dollars. So it used to be one twenty. It's now four hundred million naira. You know what God is saying? Go and pray. Keep praying. By the time you are done praying, I will give you wisdom that will suddenly show to you that you were wasting your money all these years. There are many companies, this is a matter of fact, you know, they imported, um, what do you call them, machinery from abroad. And of course, this agreement of, uh, manage, of um, maintenance, so assuming you bought this thing from Siemens, all the way from Germany, each time it, you are supposed to maintain that, you will fly one engineer all the way from Germany to Nigeria, pay him, you know, do everything, then when dollar crashes from, when naira goes from 120 to three, to 400 to the dollar, it happened to many companies. They woke up and realized that, oh boy, to bring one Oyibo man. What is inside this machine? Was it made in heaven? They just call some small boys from Ikeja. <laughs> what can you do? Those ones will look, look, look. They bring out their computer. Go online. Check the set. Take a few pictures. Say, oh God, we'll come back tomorrow. They will sit down. By the time they finish, they will fabricate one something for you. By the time you're done, you'll be surprised. Where you used to spend $50,000 for maintenance, this boy was doing it for you for 50000 naira. You know why you discovered them? Because suddenly, you couldn't afford the $50,000 anymore. And in that process, you make some two boys richer. And why did God allow that to happen? Let's read this scripture. Second Chronicles. Am I preaching like this today? I'll get to my message in a moment. This is just supposed to encourage us. Second Chronicles. There's something that the prophet Hanani said to Asa. I want us to look at it. Chapter 16. Now, this is a story we all know, so we're not going to go over it again. I just want to bring out a particular scripture there. Now, what we have here is Asa, for 35 years, he had had peace. And the trouble came upon Asa. How did the trouble come? Asa was the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. Then Israel, the northern kingdom, had a king called, called Basha. And Basha came against Judah. And the Bible says in verse 1, fortified Rima in order to prevent anyone from going out or coming in to Asa, king of Judah. Now for time's sake, let me just quickly explain this. What happened was that these are two kingdoms of Israel, the northern Israel and then Judah. Basha had a league. Now listen to this. The greatest kingdom around them that time was the Assyrians. And Basha had a league with the Assyrians. Okay? The idea is that if Basha is going to war, Assyria will support him. Now that made Asa afraid. This is a giant coming against Asa, basically. So what did he do? Listen to this. He went, he took, let's read it for time's sake. We'll jump a few verses. Verse 2. Then Asa brought out silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the king's house. So he sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, or king of Syria. Same as Syria. Who lived in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, as between my father and your father. Behold, I have sent you silver and gold, 
go and break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel. Are you saying that? So that he will withdraw from me. Now, let me make a long story short. This happened. Ben-Hadad, when he saw the money and the offer, he turned against Basha and began to attack Basha. So, Basha left attacking Asa and Judah. You understand? So, he left. And that's a very good strategy. You know, when you're talking about military warfare, it worked very well. Except that God said, you missed. Ah, ah, ah. You missed what I was doing. I was trying to stir up your faith again and deliver your big enemies into your hand. Look at it. Next verse, verse 7. At that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Aram, and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army... Wait, which army? No, read your Bible. Which army? We all agree Syria and Aram the same thing, right? Just the Bible they are using. So let's use the word, you know, Aram or Syria, whatever. So which army escaped? Answer me loud. But not the army. Were they the ones attacking? What was attacking? Who was attacking? Israel and Basha, king of Israel. But when God was going to analyze it, he said, hey, you missed it. That problem was the opportunity I was going to give to you to totally destroy your mighty enemy, Aram. He said, instead of that, you went to Aram to beg. Many of the economic difficulties we have, God said, listen, just go home and go and pray. I would have used that to break the dependence on imported raw materials. As I'll give an example now. All this while you've been spending $50,000 every time this man shows up, $50,000 will go. Now, when I made it difficult for you to find $50,000, you found 50,000 young boys. I was just showing to you that you were exporting the wealth. There were a lot of young boys who didn't have work because you believed so much only a German could fix it. We have given these boys in Ikeja so much brains. Some of them on your campuses around. Three weeks training by themselves. With their, all you need to do is buy each one of them a laptop. You know, you buy a young boy a laptop. He will greet you rolling down every morning. You know, you old men that have laptops, you don't understand. You look at one 19-year-old boy, 20-year-old boy on campus. I say, do this work for me. I dash you a brand new Dell Inspiron. Call I-7. Oga, we will walk through the fire for you. Just watch it. Just watch us. Just hold the laptop at the other end of the fire. Just, just, just hold it there. I'm t- Look, you will be amazed at what they can do. And what I have told you, I have seen it happen again and again and again. One of our brothers works in, a, he works in an oil company. He said because, okay, that the... They are manage, the maintenance arrangement they had, it was getting too expensive for them. And now the companies are being managed by Nigerians. So one day, they told their technical partners, so they have some problems in their plant. Those ones expecting them to call them. They refused. So we have called you enough. So they now wrote a report. If anything happens, we will not be held liable. We say, we're not planning to hold you liable. We're holding ourselves liable. Leave it. And for years, they have been liable for all the problems and no problem has occurred. You know, those ones that always complain. He said, because each time they show up, they know how many million, they, we're not talking small money here, millions of dollars will be used to settle them. So they just, or God just called everybody and said, boys, what are they doing that we can't do? So God, nothing. 
We have seen them do it. It's the same thing. We have, we have gone to school. We can do it too. Oh, guys, everybody get in there and go and fix it. Because of economic hardship, they redirected resources down home and they are getting exactly the same results. That time, dollar was climbing. I was laughing. I was enjoying it too. My wife was feeling very bad. <laughs> He's like, why are you happy? I said, okay, watch it. All the Nigerians that went to school abroad are coming home. <laughs> Do you know Nigerians were so foolish? Ghanaian brother were not angry with you. Just like it was so funny. They were sending children to school in Ghana. Only for us to get to that same, that same Ghana and discover a lot of those schools were not even good schools. Oh boy, when dollar school is small, they started rediscovering Covenant University. You know, all kinds of universities were now discovered. We started doing rediscovery. And our world started returning home where economic hardship, what looked like hardship, turned out to be what? A blessing. For Aram, for Asa, it was going to be a blessing. So God was upset. He said, what is your problem? Now because you have done what is wrong, because you decided to shut down the company, because you decided to stop everything, instead of you to take, see, let me say it again. Christian fasting is not to kill any meal. What did I say? Say it loud like you believe it. Christian Don't kill any means with Christian fast. Any means die when they are tired of living. Or God is tired of them living. You don't, it doesn't matter whether you are fasting or you are, you are eating. It does not matter. Let me say another thing to you in case you did not know it before. God does not answer prayers because you are hungry. Okay now. God does not answer prayers because you are hungry. The man who has eaten and the one who has not eaten, their prayers have the same weight in the presence of God. Go and read the story of Hannah, one of our best examples in the Bible. The Bible, Bible says after she finished eating and drinking, she went to pray. So don't even come and impress me that uh, you have not eaten. I don't know why you have not eaten. It's your problem, not mine. <laughs> Which sin did you commit? Who did you kill? It's my mother that said that one. She has a, she had a, oh, the woman is late now. My mother's very good friend. They can't pray. Not that this friend, they cause prayer. Father, we worship you. When does I want to pray? Ah. Whoa! <laughs> 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 they pray and I fight. If I want the pastor to enter first, you could not say, oh, dear. <laughs> that is, when they are praying, I threat to. He said, ah, we say you pray, you are sleeping. This is how the witches will come and kill you. Wake up and fight. And when they are praying, eh? Father, die help. The prayer is so loud, the pastor needs a bell. Speaker, you can't use speaker. When they don't dry, you know, and they say, "Bang gong, bang gong," everybody wake up. Ah, me. <laughs> so my most friend used to go to one of those churches. Every year they do seven days, mostly dry, partly wet fasting. The first few days, no water, no food. No drink of any sort. Nothing. By the third day, they start drinking small, small water. They usually are so weak, they can't even pray. When it's time to pray, you know they can say, 
Jesus, 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 Jesus. The day my mother was using my wife, the story, we first married, we just married that time. He said, wait you kill people. <laughs> Who did you kill? Now if you go to visit our friend, if my woman wants to see her off, she said, please, please, go back inside. See, person, they stagger like this. He said, wait happened. They are fasting. There's a particular church in this country. I will not mention the name of the church. I won't even say some people here used to be pastors there. For they ordain you seven days. I said, if I go to that church, I will never be ordained. God knows. No. It's not the will of God. God doesn't answer you because you're hungry. If you don't want to eat, it's your problem. It's not his problem. Let's get that clear. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So Christians should not fast. I didn't say so. Um, in fact, I should write a book on this thing. I keep on saying it here and I should settle down. Do a small book on this book and refer to it. Christians don't fast like that. You know your fasting does not make God answer you. Your fasting does not overcome the devil. So what is it now for? It is not the way by which your sins are forgiven. How do you forgive? Are our sins forgiven as Christians? If we shall what? Confess our sins. That's it. Only acknowledge your iniquity. That's what he said. So if you shall confess your sins, it's faithful and just. So it is not because of fasting that our sins are forgiven. We, over, we, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and we do not love our lives unto death. It's not because of fasting. So why do we now fast therefore? It's simple. The answer for Christians, that's why I want you to know that. That is when the fast, if a believer, there are two sides of fasting. There's a convert from evil into righteousness fast, in which God says, check your life. Do a regular quality control check, QC, of your life. How are you talking with your mouth? Are you keeping your mouth from speaking deceit? How are you, okay, what are, how are you handling your heart? Are you keeping evil in your heart against people? Do you have unforgiveness there? You just settle down and go over your heart bit by bit. Your lifestyle. How are you doing? You do all of that. That's number one thing Christians do. The second kind of fight. No, the first one I said is what? Conversion from evil into good. From the negative into the positive. In case you have slipped into what is negative. When you discover it, that's one fast. That's a fast of a believer. I'm not saying you're going to fast to convert to. I mean, that process of renouncing that which is negative and walking in that which is called righteousness is a fast. Because this is a fast I have chosen. Do you understand my point? Now, the second kind of fast, which I'm talking about again today, is when you get into such difficult level in discussing, the Bible says he has hidden sound wisdom for the upright. We fast to find that sound wisdom. When I say fast, that we go into prayer and meditation. It's not about food. It's not about hunger. It's about what? Seclusion. A time to think and reason. A time to pray. Why? There is divine wisdom in every, that is necessary and available. Let me say that like that. There is divine wisdom necessary and available in the midst of every adversity. There is divine wisdom necessary and available. He said, you've known the Holy Scriptures when you were a little boy, which these scriptures are able to make you wise and produce salvation. That is, once you discover the wisdom of God, salvation from the troubles come into your life. 
So no matter what it is, remember, economic circumstances will not make you sink, but to make you think. I hope you're getting my point. Okay, it will make you sink, but you have to set your thinking. So you will go and pray. God says, I have hidden sound wisdom for the upright. He kept it hidden. Nobody else knows it. And nobody else will know, know it until he gives it to you. The only way you will find it is when you go and ask him in prayer. James said, if anyone lacks wisdom, what should, we, what should he do? Let him ask. So when you go to such prayers, you're not just guessing. You know that God has wisdom that I must tap into. God has one wisdom I must tap into. If they say, like now, you know, for a long time, they kept on, kept on telling us, uh, many factories shut down in Nigeria because power, power, power. That's unbelieving talk. Remember, unbelieving talk doesn't mean lie. It's factually accurate. Peter sank of unbelief. But sinking was appropriate. It was on water and it was not a fish. But you know what God said? Believers, don't say that. If your company closed down because of power at that time, if they ask you what happened, say, I don't know what happened. I don't know where we missed it. It appeared like it was power, but no. There was a wisdom we were supposed to tap into, we did not tap into. There was a confession of sin. One is a confession of sin. There's, maybe before, for five years, you have been running your company like everybody else. And God has been telling you for a long time, oh boy, oh girl, this thing you are doing is worldliness. So that every, you know, every time you people want to end of the year, so we're going to have end of the year party. So guys, let's meet in Dubai. Hey, because all these things have been wanting you people for a long time. This is not how to live, bro. There are times economic hardship will let you wake up, say, all the money we spend doing company meeting end of year in Dubai over the last six years, Lord, we repent. We will pay it back. Sometimes it's like that. Other times, God is just saying that, listen, relax. That's one stage. The next thing is just relax. Pray. Think. Sometimes things are rough for a while. Tell your staff, guys, things are rough. We need to take time out to pray. Those who cannot pray with us, we can go home first. We'll reopen in six weeks. Listen. What I'm saying to you will not make no... By the time you are starting it, nobody else in the industry will know what you will think you know what you are saying. But God says there is what? Hidden wisdom for the upright. You know, God is too faithful. He will never let the upright go down. He's too faithful. He's too faithful. He won't let the upright go down. He's too faithful. He's too faithful. What he says is that there is hidden wisdom. There is something I have hidden. Go and find it out. That's what Christians use fasting for. That's what we use fasting for. Literally, oh God, please. You know, I began today by explaining. The spiritual things are real. Let me say this to you to boost your faith. Adam did not learn how to cook by accident. An angel taught him. Adam did not learn how to smelt iron by accident. All this they tell you in movies as if human beings stumbled out of nothing. First they were, they were ants. Then one day they became grasshoppers. Then they lost their front leg, the middle leg, and the back leg straightened. They began to walk straight. And then one day they grew beer beer. They went... Those things, I hope you know, they are all lies. Every single one. Say, so one time we were hunter-gatherers. They were now, the earliest time we formed weapons. Lie. Angels were carrying swords before Adam was made. I can assure you what happened. 
simple. How do the men learn? The angels will come and say, oh boy, this hill, out of it you can dig copper. He said, how do we dig copper? I will show it to you. This is how we make fire. If you join this and join this, it will become a wire. If you join this one, it becomes a silicon chip. This one becomes a transmitter, a receiver. This is how they make mobile phones. That's what angels used to do. Sin was all drove all of them away. Imams now got confused. Then the descendants of confused people now started saying that uh, uh, everybody we're not all confused. Angels used to teach. So your enemies are coming. Make this is how you make the weapon. They give you a sketch. What am I going to say? Till today, they are not out of business. I hope you know that. I like when the Sadhu Savaraj said one of his uh, visions. He said he had that he spent some many hours with the Lord. That the Lord showed him what was wrong with Albert Einstein's theory of relativity. He showed him what was correct, and this area that the man is wrong here. You know, you think God only knows for worship. When the Lord wants to give you revelation, that morning as I began to meditate upon the word of God, and the Lord began to speak to me, and I saw in heaven there were clouds, and I began to see the glory of God before the throne, and the elders were bowing down. You think that's all that heaven is like? It's because that's all you know. So that's all God reveals. If God catches a physicist, eh? he will show him nuclear fission. He will show him Higgs boson. He will show him everything. That one will bow down. We worship. That's what makes people worship. You think God, God's glory just will blind you alone. There's a kind of knowledge God will show you. You say, this knowledge is too wonderful for me. No, we have this impression that when you get to heaven, all God knows is, my son, you know, remove your crown, bow down here. If God gives you a lecture on physics, you will be humble. Forget God. I can't even give lecture on physics. It's too big for me teaching you physics. It's one of those junior angels. <laughs> Just one angel. Go and show that boy what's made the atom stay together that they don't know. Pack nucleus and protons in that small tight position that they have not exploded. Show it to him. The guy will look. Can you take it? You can't. Go to school. When you finish PhD, come back. The level at which I discuss atomic physics, you can't reason like this. And as an angel you're talking to, Sometimes, you know, I, I, you know, there are times I tell the Lord, I say, why didn't you just give me time? I would have loved to do some biological research. You know, medicine and all of that. Because, you know, sometimes the things, the thing crosses my body. I just be looking. You've heard me see some of those things. I just say, this thing is a lie. It doesn't make sense. How do I know? I don't know. I just understand that this doesn't make sense. There are research people are doing. I say, you will never find anything like this. It's not in that direction. I don't think I'm bragging. George Washington Carver, go and read his story. A black man that taught the world shifting cultivation. The way I heard his story, he said he prayed and said, God, I want you to show me, the, show me things. The Lord said what? He said mysteries. Like which mystery? He said the mystery of the universe. He said, the Lord said you can't understand it. I leave that one. The man was not educated. So the Lord said pick something else. So he picked ordinary groundnut. He said, teach me about the granite. And God gave him over 300 products from the granite. Black man, the time of slave, he addressed American Congress. Taught Americans how to do shifting cultivation. That the reason why the cotton crop is not doing well is because the ground is over farmed. Some things you think you know naturally. And it's on record that he spent, he was a scientist, not somebody who went to school properly, just started learning science by himself. And he, spent, he said he spent most of the time in his laboratory. 
reading the Bible. His understanding, his revelation did not come from normal knowledge. Go and read the story of Arjilotono, mover of men and mountains. What am I going to say all of this is? He has hidden sound wisdom for the upright. Don't think God only teaches pastors how to do ministry. You know, all the testimonies we hear, that's why we need to read plenty. That's why I quote some of these things. Don't think God only comes on his ministry time. And I talk again to lay hands in front and lay hands behind. Fire will jump. So we think it's also, you know, these are ministerial things. There are people who also tell us, connect this wire here, connect it there. That will reduce your power consumption by 70%. And after that, you start breaking even. After all, most of your money now is going to power. It gives you wisdom. You wake up next day, you rearrange your factory. Power consumption drops 70%. A few years ago, in our magazine, we probably, we can go and check if you can get the previous edition or you can go online. There's a building somewhere, I think in, is it Harare or is it in Kenya? There's this particular building that an engineer designed using the ant hill as his template. He checked the way Tema is built. Then the architect, I wanted to say, the architect designed a high-rise building after the termite hill and dropped power consumption by is it 70 or 90 percent. The building is cool all the time. They don't need air conditioners. And you know, in all these big buildings, what chose power most is what? Air conditioning. By the time the man was, I forgot the name of the building. When it was done with designing, power consumption went down like either 70 or 90 percent. Why? Then we wrote the article on biomimicry. How engineers copy things that the Lord has made and use it, use those things to create things on the earth and they see the effect. The man said, ah, because what happened at the ant, you know, you know those termite hills? The ant hill of the termites. The core of it is the same temperature around the year. Whether it's snowing outside or fire outside, it's the same temperature. Ah, so the people say, wow, how did, the, how did these termites do this? So the man cut the thing down and checked the way the holes run and everything. So this ventilation has been engineered in such a manner that to keep the center cool all the time. He designed a high rise like that. No, I'm not telling you the story of 1700 years ago. It's still there till today. When they began doing, um, uh, when they started high speed trains, high speed trains, which is now standard in a lot of parts of the world now, trains that run very, very fast. Ah, the one major problem they had is that when they pass through tunnels, anytime it's come out of the tunnel, you think you hear an explosion. It will explode. You know, it's just noise. He said, no, residents can't take that. They have to move through tunnels in cities when they are near towns because roads will pass and all of that. And of course, that noise is a lot of energy. One day to crash the building, the bridge over it. So he said, how do we design this thing? Somebody said, check the kingfisher bird. There's a bird called kingfisher. The kingfisher bird, you know what they call a kingfisher? It's a fisher. It doesn't eat ants, it eats fish. Think about a bird that feeds on what? Fish. And it does not stay on water. It stays on trees. They observe the bird. You know, this is what the bird does. It stands on the tree. God has trained his eyes. You know, if you believe in evolution or things coming by chance, I told you your head evolved out of rubbish. Because, <laughs> yes, your head must have come from the Eswama dustbin. Because, no, really. How that makes sense to you, I don't understand. The kingfisher bird will stand on the tree above the water and is watching clear water, watching fish pass. This is the interesting part it will dive into the water and not make a splash. I don't know whether I get my point. This animal will dive into the water, 
catch two fish at a time, return out of the water, and in going in, it did not make a splash. Ah, the scientist said, no, something's happening here. So they inspected the way the beak was designed, replicated it in the nose of the train, and the noise vanished. The first one was done in Japan. After that, it became standard train design. Once your trains are going to run very fast, and it will pass through tunnels, and you don't want that explosion that will cause when it comes out, you design the nose according to the beak of the kingfisher bird. It's, look, it's a field of engineering, biomimicry. People learn how things occur naturally and copy. I told you he has hidden sound wisdom for the upright. When Christians fast, is to tap into that wisdom. That's what they are there for. That's what they are trying to do. That's what they are trying to do. How do we tap into that wisdom? That wisdom is available for engineers. It's available for mothers. I'm telling you. A woman told the story of how one of her children just became depressed. Ah! She tried to talk to the boy. The boy wouldn't hear. Of course, she bowed down her head and prayed. And suddenly she remembers something that happened to her as a child. And God was saying, that's what happened to your son. The boy had come from school. His mates had been yapping him about some things. But he couldn't tell anybody. So she just sat down, morning devotion, and began to tell the story of her life when she was young. So the boy looked up, saw the mother narrating exactly what he experienced a few days ago in school. They didn't tell the boy anything. They didn't tell him she knew. The boy was asking some questions, and the mother was answering. And his depression vanished. And the mother never told him how she found out. That's hidden sound wisdom for the upright. Ben Carson and the brother, you know the story. I don't have to repeat it for you so much. They were doing badly in school. The mother said, let me go and pray. Next day she came out and said, the Holy Spirit said, no more television. And the boy became a world-renowned neurosurgeon. Because the mother said, the Holy Spirit said, I should tell you, you guys watch too much TV. Henceforth, you can only watch, I think, two programs a week. And in that week, you will summarize two books for me. Which book? Anyone. Whether it is biology book, history book, astrology book, geography book, geology book. So Ben Carson decided to be reading the one on geology. No, not advanced geology, just different kinds of rocks. What they did not know was that the mother could hardly read herself. So every week they summarized two books for her. And their grades jumped up. From being at the back of the class, they jumped to the front. What the young man lacked was self-confidence. One day, they asked a question about the piece of rock in class. I didn't think about it. He didn't, didn't want to answer. Nobody was talking. I looked at the rock. I know that rock now. I've read about it. Put up his hand. Gave a rundown of the history of the rock for the teacher. Ben, what happened? So the boy just realized that, ah. So to be smart, I just need to keep reading. So he became a bookworm. How did the mother know? God has hidden what? Sound wisdom for the upright. She went and prayed. God gave her a piece of wisdom. When the Bible talks about the word of wisdom, it's a spiritual manifestation. It's available for believers. The reason why we go and fast, that's what we do. You can start your fast with a cup of tea and a slice of bread. Don't worry. God is not angry. You wonder if stomach will be disturbing you. Oh, I rebuke you. Don't need to rebuke stomach. The rebuking agent for stomach is a cup of tea. Leave all of these things. If it is spiritual because you don't want to eat. But in that period, you turn off your Facebook. 
And don't, don't mind DSTV that will be confused that they have DSTV Go on your phone. How can television be on your phone? Do you want to prosper in this life? The big one of the screen, you're not finished watching it. They now put it on your phone. And you two, you agree, you collect it. <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> there are things that they're offering you say, I don't want. Say, DSCV, go. Go. Say, DSCV, go. Thank you. The one on my wall is enough distraction. I'm still praying to God to give me the wisdom to remove it. You now want to put it on my mobile phone. Rubbish and nonsense. No, what I'm saying is that you turn all of those things off. They say, oh, Satan knows how to get you, you know that. And you also know how to resist him. Your friend now come, ah, okay, what's it? Ha, Manchester United, they've started, they've scored one goal. Say, Manchester, they are goal, all of them get behind me, Satan. And somebody say, all oh, the money they are paying. When did they ever share it with you? <laughs> Think about it. Those boys will end, one day, the, the GNI will calculate Kanuwako's salary. And he came to other, Seven or twenty-two million naira a week, a week, and Papilo didn't send me anything. <laughs> I will now leave my fasting period to go and watch him. Lie, lie. They, you know those way, they will just go to the pigeon. Say they have sprained ankle. They will sit on the bench, and that's ten million. Do you understand my point? They will now leave what I have to do to go and watch him. Lie, lie. You say check count. Does it make sense? That's what fasting is. Turn off the TV. Turn off everything. Tell everybody you are functionally not available. You're not at home. Functionally, physically. You might be there. Functionally, you are not available. That fast can take a week. It can take two weeks. When Daniel was not sure when his fast will end, he kept on eating. No, if it's modern day Christian, they would all die waiting for God to answer. Daniel said, let me, I'm not going to die. God, I must see the salvation of Israel. I will not die. <laughs> so the man was eating small, small. But not what he said, no pleasant food. That is, evening people would gather three-course meal. Daniel didn't have the time. He had to read his Bible, his scrolls. He was reading Jeremiah to God. Reading Jeremiah to God. Reading Jeremiah to God. Then he said, food is ready. Please bring me a few pieces of this. He sits down there, keeps reading Jeremiah. He eats small, drinks water. Then he goes to sleep. Weeks up during the night. Reads Jeremiah to God. At the end of three weeks, the angel showed up. Sometimes it takes that long to tap into your wisdom. You will read. You will prophesy. Then one day, your engineering book, you will open it. Or somebody will call. One way or the other, God will solve your problem. That is, he will so solve it, you start wondering, why would we even complain in the first place? Many times you will listen to me, you will not do it until you see adversity. You will not do it until you see adversity. In this man's case, what is his name? Asa. God said to him, you've made a terrible mistake. He said, because you have relied on the king of Aram, you have relied on the bank to give you exorbitant, uh, uh, what do you call it, loan at an exorbitant interest rate. Therefore, the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. That is, my plan was that Basha will attack you. You will rely on me. I will defeat Basha, but not just Basha, but his ally, Syria or Aram. 
He said in verse 8, Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubim an immense army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. He said, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may, I like in James here, that he may show himself strong. Ah, that expression is powerful. That he may show himself strong, or that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. What gives you immediate results may not give you lasting results. Bear it in mind, don't ever forget it. Many of the wisdom they are telling us, use this one, use this wisdom, is you know what you have gained today, you don't know what you have lost tomorrow. I hope you're getting my point. See, believers, eh, we have a different perspective of things. There's trouble around. The heart of men fill them because of what they are seeing. That's what the Bible says. Jesus said it himself. He said, but. Somebody say, but. He said, but you, straighten up, look up. Your redemption draws near. Anytime you see adversity, say, look, look up. Make the right adjustments. Do the right praying. God will do something in your life that will make you thank him for adversity permanently. No wonder James said, consider all joy when you fall into what? Diverse trials or diverse temptations. Because the trial of your faith, the trial of your faith does what? Works patience. That's what we do with fasting of Christians. When everything looks bad, 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 we go home knowing that there's wisdom hidden somewhere. There's a particular wisdom that he has hidden. What I need to do is to find it. And that's why I take time out. And how do we fast? Like I said, it's seclusion. It's not about hunger. And of course, let me just say it. You don't, of course, you can't say I want to fast. Give me three course meal. Are you getting my point? No. What we're just saying is that you focus. You live all the luxuries of life. That even your phone goes off. Television goes off. It doesn't have to be the whole day. It can be every day. I go to sleep on time. I'm awake by 4 a.m. From 4 to 5, I read out the scriptures loud. If you want to pray and not fall asleep, just stand up. If you don't know what to say, open Psalm 23 and read it out. There's one, you know, I was showing my wife the other day, there's one I, I just, you know, things that we have taught, but we need to practice. Ah, there's a prayer that my wife started doing, so I joined. Do you understand? I said, ah, this prayer, every time you get up, you don't even know what you're saying. I said, it's not necessary. I settled down and wrote my prayer long, like three, four pages. When it's time to pray, I bring it out. Some of these uh, Pentecostal pray. It's not called Bible called praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit, take the word of God and pray it out. That's praying in the Spirit. Make sure your prayer is coming from the depths of your heart. That's what it means to pray in the Spirit. Write the prayer. Look, <laughs> there's something I want to, let me just give you an idea. There's something I want to start praying about recently. You know what I did? That's what my wife saw me doing a video about two evenings ago. I just searched out the scriptures. There are like six or seven. As I was meditating, I was praying. I was remembering the scriptures. I was putting them down. I just gathered the scriptures. Put them. What I do is I put them in the particular, you know, these days of technology, you use technology to defeat the devil. You know that, you understand my point? Yes. Just put it in a place where once I dump it, all my, my phone, my tab, my computer, they all have it. So if I whip out my tab, like that, prayer time, <coughs> I tap something. It will come out. If I don't know what to say, I read it out. There is none like the God of Israel who rise the heavens to my help. You repeat that one ten times. I'm telling you. You know, why prayer is something that you want to do? Hey, Galabo, hey, Atayabo, Laura. After five minutes, you say, you wonder what am I even saying? 
Don't get me wrong, but there's a time for that. So, <laughs> there are times you just get up in the morning, listen, look at the time. 4 a.m., you wake up, you start pacing up and down. You've, you've written like 15 dangerous scriptures concerning the salvation of your business, the salvation of your family, the salvation of your health. Four o'clock, you wake up in the morning, walk up and down, read many scriptures, give God, God thanks for like 15 minutes. Then don't have to think. The word can think. Start reading out scriptures. Just be reading it out. Don't just be reading it out. Just be reading it out. Whatever I do, I prosper. In the name of Jesus. In all that I do, I prosper. This is the word of the Lord to me. Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth. Have dominion. Have dominion. You know, you get my point. You're just reading, you're, you have the scripture out there. You just, it will cause prosperity to flow towards me like the river and the wealth of the nation like an overflowing stream. I have been blessed to be a blessing in the name of Jesus. Father, this is your word. And you are declaring this over your company. Do that for one hour, then you sit down with a pen and start thinking. How do we do this? If no idea comes to you, that means there's no idea. Are you getting my point? Go back to the scripture, do that one. If you do from four till seven thirty, time to drive the children to school, that's a fast for that morning. By eight o'clock you can go, by nine o'clock you can go to work. You can do this for one month, you won't be tired. When the midst of adversity, you now bring out godly wisdom. People start asking you, what happened? I like the testimony of Strive Masiwa. Listen, let, let people not lie to you that, you know, you can't prosper in this country. That was what they said in telecom in Nigeria. Hakim Belo Sage was leading a team of people also bidding for the license, GSM license. They got to $200 million. He dropped out. You know what he said later? He was giving a lecture in America. He said, that was the worst business decision of my life. Because the license finally was sold at $275 million. Akim said now, he said this a few years ago, he said now we know that the true value of those licenses was more like $800 million. That's what they told them. Nothing works in Nigeria. MTN came. They are, they are from South Africa. I said, no, be Africa. All of us, they here. Don't worry. Strive Masiwa led the team from Zimbabwe. They said Nigeria doesn't have a, what do you call it, fiber optics infrastructure. They said, there's no, don't worry about it. They said, they don't have power, constant power. They brought two generators to every base station. Supplying them, this became a business for Nigerians. They said, how do you connect from one city to the other? The engineer sat down to meet. Strive looked at them and said, what can you do? Uh, the, one person said that the only option has never been done anywhere for GSM. So Strive said, it has never been done or it cannot be done. The engineer said it has never been done. He said, then we'll be the first to do it. Communicating between places like Port Harcourt, Abuja, Lagos, those early days. If you use GSM the first few months after it came out, there used to be a short lag because they were using satellite link, which was never used for GSM until they came to Nigeria and did it. MTN made so much money. All the European, Europeans that refused to come, they were now looking for back door to enter. Adversity helps you to bring out hidden godly wisdom. Did you hear what I said? Adversity helps you to bring out hidden godly wisdom. There's no business you are in that's going through issues that God has no hidden wisdom. The only time your wisdom will be distinguished is when there's trouble. If everybody is prospering, your God will not be outstanding. The Lord is good. Next time we'll continue what I wanted to say about agreement. 
They, they think I'm joking. I'm, I'm serious. What I wanted to preach today, I was just supposed to greet you with this one. Okay, let me prove to you. What I wanted to say, a purpose is the key to agreement. You have to have the same purpose. That's what I want to explain now. I wanted to show you something about the interest of God in defining purpose, which we have talked about before. I want to crystallize into agreement. So we can finish the talk on agreement. But I hope you are blessed today. Let's rise to our feet. Let's just begin to give the Lord thanks. Let's give God thanks. Let's give God thanks. Let's give God thanks. I wanted to just take, take a minute and give thanks for adversity. Thank God for adversity. That no matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands, Lord. Give thanks for adversity. Give thanks for adversity. I want to specifically go through, go through the things that you have got, that is in your mind. Things you have gone through that didn't seem to work or that you are going through right now. Give thanks for them because now you know that is how God brings forth his wisdom in your life. That is the way by which the wisdom of God comes. That is how God's wisdom will be released. You know what it means to fast? People here now, you need to declare one week fast. Sometimes an indefinite number of days. You don't know when you're going to stop. You know when you're going to start. For you, it's just 4 a.m. to 7 every day. 4 a.m. to 7. Or it can be from 12 midnight to 3 a.m. You go to bed early. You wake up by 12. You do these things that we have said. The first 30 minutes, just giving God thanks. Declaring who he is. That is how we win as believers. There is secret wisdom that he has hidden. That he wants to release. It is available. Begin to pray and say, Lord, give me my own wisdom. Ask in faith, knowing that he will give it to you. Lord, I need my wisdom. I need wisdom. Wisdom. There is wisdom. Sometimes there is need in front of you. You need a hundred millionaire. Two hundred millionaire. That's what you think. Three hundred million. But God said, what you need is wisdom. What you need is wisdom. Wisdom is more valuable than money. What other people can do with a billion? Wisdom and 2,000 naira, you will do it. Wisdom and no money, you will do it. Say, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. Yes, in the midst of my adversity, I want to receive your wisdom so I do not, I do not sink. No, I don't want to sink. I want to receive your wisdom. I will not sink. But I will receive the wisdom of heaven. I will not sink. I will receive the wisdom of heaven. I will not sink. Say, the army of the king of Aram will not escape me. The army of the king of Aram will not escape me. I will use the opportunity to rely on God. Because I know my God is too faithful. He will not let the upright sink. Yes, he is faithful. The upright will not sink. He is faithful, the upright will not sink. He is faithful, the upright will not sink. He is faithful, the upright will not sink. Yes, he is faithful. Father, we give you praise. Declare after me, say in the name of Jesus. I will live. I will not die. Say that again, in the name of Jesus. I will live. I will not die. I will proclaim the salvation of the Lord. I will proclaim the excellencies of my God. Say it again in the name of Jesus. I will live. I will not die. Remember, dying is not just the bodily death. That's part of it. If you are sick, that word is for you. You will live, you will not die. But not beyond that, your marriage will not die. Your business will not die. Your family will not die. Your ministry will not die. 
Whatever you put your hands to do will prosper. In the name of Jesus Christ. Say after me again, in the name of Jesus. I will live. I will not die. I will show for the salvation of the Lord. I will show for the glory of the Lord. I will show for the excellencies of my God. Say wisdom is my portion. It produces salvation for me. The wisdom of God. The hidden wisdom of God. That is my portion. It will produce salvation for me. I will not sink. No matter how bad the waves are. No matter how hard the wind is blowing. I will not sink. I will float. Because I'm walking on the word of God. I'm walking powered by the spirit of God. Say in the name of Jesus. I am mounting up with wings. Like an eagle. Say in the name of Jesus. I am mounting up with wings. Like an eagle. Say behold. He will cause prosperity to flow towards me like a river. And the wealth of the nations. Like an overflowing stream. Say in the name of Jesus. Progress. Prosperity. They are flowing towards me. Like a river. In the midst of a dry land. I will have my river flowing. I speak to closed doors. Open in the name of Jesus. Favor. Come to me in the name of Jesus. Because it is written. The Lord surrounds the righteous. With favor as with his shield. The favor of God is my protection. The favor of God is my defense. Say God is with me like a strong army. The Lord is with me like a strong warrior. There is none like the God of Israel. Who rise the heavens to my help? Who rise across the skies in his majesty? He has driven away my enemies from before me. And he has said, destroy. Therefore, I'm a victor. I'm a winner. I'm above alone. I am not beneath. Because my God is riding to my help. Give the Lord thanks. 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 thanks.